1: At 18, you know, I'm 18 years old now, I'm finished high school. The temptation to really just sell myself into this sin was really strong. And it was really quite a radical miracle of God that enabled me, that put courage in my heart that just had not been existent before that point to talk to my parents about everything.
0: Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life,
2: and real faith. Well, recently on the program, we spoke to Pastor Chris Brown from Saving Grace Church in Perth and heard his life journey. Today, his son Joshua will share his story. Sadly, as we'll hear, Joshua has gone through many struggles in his life after being sexually abused at a young age. The abuse left him confused and disoriented as he entered his teenage years. But as we'll hear, as a young adult, God has dramatically helped Joshua, and now he's helping others in a variety of ways. Before we get started hearing Joshua's story, I just want to let parents know that due to the topics we'll be discussing related to sexual abuse and pornography— Today's program is not recommended for young children. Joshua Brown, welcome to the program. Hello. Glad to have you with us. And first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for courageously sharing your story with us today. I know this is a difficult topic. Let's get started with your home life growing up. Tell us about what it was like growing up in your home.
1: Yeah, so I was the eldest. um, Well, I'm the oldest of three. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. I was born in 1997. Uh, yeah, and my mum and dad were both believers. Yeah, they they determined to disciple me in the Lord pretty much from the day I was born. They committed me to God, mm-hmm. um, and entrusted my life into His hands. So yeah, I guess I grew up in an environment where, you know, I was reading the Bible or having the Bible read to me every day. We were praying as a family. Was always going to church, and I think I think this is a significant a really important thing to, to emphasize is they didn't just kind of involve me in Christianity in kind of a detached sort of way where like I was a part of what was going on but where it wasn't really inside of me. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that they involved me was where Christianity was a part of who I was, mm-hmm. where I lived it and breathed it and where it was a part of my life just as much as it was my parents' life. I wasn't a spectator, I guess, that the way, in, the way they discipled me, I wasn't a spectator, I was a participant mm-hmm. and that was hugely significant and impactful in my development,
2: yeah. So a happy childhood and you accepted Jesus as your savior at a young age, about six?
1: Yeah, yep, yep, definitely.
2: But then unfortunately, as we heard in the introduction, you were sexually abused at a young age while attending church, is that right?
1: yeah so it was uh, a couple of years after I gave my heart to the Lord and yeah, yeah, it was at the church we were attending at that time. Um, if my memory serves me right, it was would have been a teenager at the church.
2: So an older teenager who was also attending the church. Yes, yeah, okay, so in your mind, you must have been very confused about all that and felt shame. Is that right? Unfortunately, that's a common response where somehow you feel responsible.
1: Yeah, I guess shame probably wasn't the thing I identified. If I look back, it's not the thing I identified feeling immediately. It was definitely fear. I was really afraid that I guess I'd be, I'd be punished or that I'd be in trouble for what I'd been doing.
2: Now, this was when you were about eight years old. So this is before you even reached puberty, But then going into your teenage years, unfortunately, you started to watch pornography. Is that right?
1: Yeah, well, that happened, I think, even the same year, really. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So probably would have been about eight years of age as well when I started seeing that. Um, Don't know if I just ended up searching things related to what had happened or just stumbled across something. I really don't remember how, but. Um, Yeah, and somehow managed to hide it from my parents and just started lying about things as well. And yeah, the the interesting thing is that up until I started high school and when puberty kind of set in, um, before that, from 8 to about 13, I guess, and I think this was probably just a survival mechanism, uh, Mm -hmm. it was like... That side of my life, the side where, you know, I was now looking at pornography and, you know, what had happened, like it was quite compartmentalized um, in my conscious awareness. Like I I would still go to school and be a pretty happy kid. Um, It wasn't until I hit high school that that compartment kind of broke down and bled into the rest of my experience. And then for what it felt you know at the time tainted the rest of my life and and it was suddenly there like the the full reality that i'm doing this i'm addicted to this and i don't know how to stop it and yeah that that happened when puberty kind of hit
2: so you had this wonderful christian upbringing you accepted jesus as your savior and had a growing relationship with him but yet on the other hand inside internally you're struggling with this addiction that's kind of what's happening inside
1: Yeah, it was almost like two trees kind of growing intertwined together, Hmm. but I wasn't as aware of the evil tree, so to speak, Hmm. until high school um, where it's already very much mature in my life and so entangled in, in my soul and just in my whole life that and the roots already, you know, deeply established that I didn't know how to get rid of it and no one knew anything.
2: So what did you do?
1: Yeah. So one thing I will add, um, a detail that I think, yeah, is important, uh, because it's, I believe it's what probably made this whole process a lot longer than it might perhaps have been is, um, when I originally started looking at the pornography, I was looking at heterosexual pornography. That's Mm -hmm. what i stumbled across and that's what I was looking at but then around the age of 12 and in trying to understand what had happened I think the guilt just got so great in terms of what I was looking at Mm -hmm. and I just didn't want to be looking at that anymore but of course there was already a sexual appetite there that wasn't going to go away and obviously of course because of the abuse as well I started there was like a distinct switch that happened around the age of 12, just before I headed into high school. And I started looking at homosexual pornography. Mm. And of course, once I got to high school and puberty set in, that just entrenched everything um, a whole lot more. And so, that extra layer of shame
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, attached to to that um, just deepened the fear, I think, a whole lot more than if it had just been purely sexual abuse and pornography
2: so you wrote that it was tearing you up internally so you must have been really confused and struggling with this whole uh, war kind of going on inside of you
1: yeah exactly because the thing was that i loved god like i had genuinely put my faith in christ i Mm -hmm. wanted to yeah like i remember i was a pretty audacious kid like i wanted to change the world for god i was inviting my primary school friends to youth even though i was in high school and none of them came to my high school like i was you know i was standing up for christ in my first year of high school like i was pretty resilient at that point but then once that compartment kind of broke down and my awareness of what i was doing kind of bled into the rest of my life mm. all of a sudden the condemnation and the the awareness that i'm sinning Hmm. and that everything I'm wanting to do for God is being tainted and corrupted by my sexual sin and you know the taunting and the torment of you know even the enemy holding it in front of me all the time saying look everything you wanted to do for God you're failing at now yeah like my life felt like it was just being torn in half Hmm. internally and not knowing how to fix that.
2: Our guest today is Joshua Brown, who's sharing about the challenges he's gone through after being sexually abused at a young age. We'll hear more of Joshua's story, including how God has helped him to heal, when we return right here on Real Faith.
0: Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources, and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au. And you can listen to past programs about the impact faith has had on others. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au.
2: Welcome back, I'm Eric Skadabo, and we just want to remind parents that, due to the adult themes being discussed, today's program is not recommended for young listeners. Our guest is Joshua Brown who's sharing about some of the struggles he's faced after being abused at a young age and then becoming addicted to pornography. But as we'll hear, the Lord has dramatically worked in his life. So how did you finally turn the corner?
1: Yeah, so look, it really was just a journey of walking in the light and doing that increasingly so. But it started with um, a guy came. So, we'd moved church at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd been going to this new church now for maybe three years or so. And so, I'd started making some friends there. Um, one friend in particular I'd grown quite close to, of course, because there also wasn't Christian friends at my high school. And so, there was pretty much a sermon I heard from a man who who came to the church who works with men who've struggled with sexual sin mm-hmm. in various forms. And He went through a list of things to work through to get to freedom. And I honestly don't remember anything except the first step, which was to tell someone. (laughs) And I just, I don't know. It's just like at that moment, I just knew I've got to do this. I guess I'd been hoping that God would just deal with it. I'd been praying for that, but Mm. it wasn't happening. But after that sermon, I realized I have to do that. There was just a conviction there to do it. But I said, God, I don't know who to tell though. There was no way I was telling my parents at this point. Mm. Like that was literally a mental insurmountable thing at that Mm -hmm. point like I don't think I was psychologically capable of doing it at that point but this friend of mine who was my best mate at the church my same age as me from all I know hadn't gone through anything like I'd gone through but yeah I told him everything at 14 years of age every single thing that was the scariest thing I'd ever done up to that point but I just I'm definitely an all-or-nothing sort of person Hmm. so like I, I just told him every single thing, didn't know if he'd go and tell everyone and you know, or just never talk to me again.
2: Like Yeah, you're taking a risk there.
1: Yeah, and particularly the homosexuality thing was just a really shameful thing, especially mm. to share with another guy.
2: Mm, yeah.
1: Like that that was just hard. How did he as, respond? You know. Well, yeah, he first thing he said he just looked at me and said, That's the past and hugged me and So, really, I think really the way he dealt with that um, and was there for me really is what, I don't know how much that was foundational in me actually getting to a point where I was able to tell others after. Hmm. But yeah, just immensely grateful to God.
2: Wow, that's beautiful that he he responded and loved you and cared for you instead of condemning you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he he kept it confidential and... Hmm. And so that pretty much led to, and look, it was step by step at 15. I spoke to my youth pastor about Mm -hmm. everything. Um, And then he encouraged me to, to let my parents know about the abuse. Mm -hmm. And for me, that, I guess that was doable. I was like, you know, at least I can start with this and Mm -hmm. work my way to a point where I can tell them everything Mm -hmm. And eventually it led to when I was 18 years of age, graduated high school and was feeling extreme temptation to just leave my faith and just kind of throw myself headlong into this sin. Um, what was
2: that because you felt like a failure or something?
1: Oh, uh, I guess. I mean, I quickly fast forwarded through like three or four years worth of the journey, but. I guess the thing that was going on at that time was really these key moments of of decision where if at those points it was like a fork in the road and I had to choose something quite radical either way mm-hmm. and the radical decision in the right way always looks like putting it in the light. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, that's four years and these are just four key moments. Throughout the rest of that time, the sin is just getting a deeper hold on my life as well. Mm. And so I guess each time it got to one of those key fork in the road moments, you could say it was at a greater level of desperation and intensity Mm. in terms of the pull of the temptation. And so like at 18, you know, I'm 18 years old now. I'm finished high school. The temptation to really just sell myself into this sin was really strong. Mm. And it, was really quite a radical miracle of God that enabled me, that put courage in my heart that just had not been existent before that point mm-hmm. to to talk to my parents about everything. Like it was just all of a sudden after one night where the Lord just really ministered to me just directly with his love and with power. It's just like he planted just a little tiny but undeniable courage that just lodged in my heart and it was like, after that moment, I just knew I was going to tell them. Mm. Like, it kind of just, it was just this resolute fact in myself that I know I'm going to tell them.
2: How did that go? Well,
1: yeah. So, I wrote, I mean, obviously, them finding out about the abuse was already very hard for them. And my mom, especially being a stay-at-home mom. You know, one of the primary reasons for that to keep me safe. Mm. Like they were always really careful about not letting me have sleepovers and stuff like that, because mm. of their awareness that that stuff can go on unbeknownst yeah. to parents. So they, you know, they were quite um, protective and and really supervised me well. But obviously, this thing had happened and still had slipped through the cracks. And um, and the thing was. My dad had even asked me not long after I'd informed them of the abuse whether there was other things going on mm. <laughs> and I lied about that because I knew if I told them about the pornography that i you know, it would be discovered what pornography I was looking at.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And so again, that deeper level of shame that came with the, the homosexual pornography, just the fear was so great. But, um, but yeah, so I got to this point where I wrote this letter at eighteen, and yeah, look, it it was hard for my family, especially my mum and dad. like I don't think I'll ever comprehend what that, you know how how they had to bring that to God and work through that in their own heart, and even just how we've had to work through our relationships as a family with all the brokenness and distrust and deceit and and all of the mess that. You know, just was going on for really ten plus years. um Like I'm, I'm 25 now. Like you know, and this is 18. So it's like your whole childhood and teenage yeah. life. You know. So yeah, no, it definitely was a very difficult time for my mum and dad.
2: But eventually, you met somebody, and that played a big part in your healing. Would you say?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. If we fast forward two years to when I'm twenty, um, I've gone through a two year period of, I guess, just like roughly six month periods of sinning again. Like, I, my hope was that I would have stopped that <laughs> after telling my mum and dad everything, but still ended up going back to that and and then confessing, making that hard decision again to confess. But by the time I got to twenty, I guess you could say the level of despair had actually gotten worse because even though I'd done the hardest thing that I'd ever imagined I could do in my life, which was tell my parents everything, mm-hmm. that was the thing though. Like I'd done everything by this point that I, I knew knew to do. Mm-hmm. It's like I'd exhausted every option and I'm still in this place. And it just seemed inevitable that it was going to, I guess, have the sovereign say in my life. I was struggling with faith in God and in his love for me and so at 20 years of age i prayed probably one of the scariest and most desperate prayers i've ever prayed in my whole life but also probably one of the most humble prayers i've ever prayed i I probably would i think i was too scared to pray this before but at this point i just reached the brink and i i said to god pretty much because i i was aware that that love that I had for him as a little kid, that love that was so apparent, that was so clear and, mm. and pure and bright as a kid, that that had almost died. Yeah. Like the, that was almost non-existent in my, my heart. And I knew God was real. You know, there's no doubt about that. I'd gone on a pretty intense intellectual journey through these years as well and really questioned my faith and come out the other side of that more convinced than ever that Christianity is, is the truth. So, You know, I was pretty afraid of where my life was ending up, but my understanding of God's love and consequently my own love for him was just almost dead. Mm. Um, And so my prayer was effectively, God, you need to make me fall in love with you again. And if Mm. you don't do that in one year, I am leaving you. And it's the first time that I'd ever put it in that assertive way. And yeah, He answered that prayer quite radically. Um, And look, I always stress this when I share my testimony that God had already been working all this time. Mm -hmm. There is not a way in the world I would have gotten to that point if God hadn't sustained me by his grace and by his power. But I guess at that point of absolute brokenness and humility, God was able to come in in a way that where all the glory would go to him Mm -hmm. and none of it you know, go to me. Um, And yeah, he answered that prayer one through a very important revelation of his grace that I just had not really understood, especially in relation to this sexual sin in my life. Mm -hmm. That was really where all the fear was coming from. Um, But then on a relational level, yeah, God brought a girl into my life. And prior up to this point, I had not been with anyone girl or guy just to to clarify that i always still wanted to have a relationship with a girl and um it was really profound looking back the timing of things like i literally met her and i didn't think that much of it at the time but it was right at the time when i said that prayer oh wow and the first i guess you could say significant conversation we had that was kind of a pivotal one in our relationship developing further happened the very night I confessed to my parents again what had been going on. Oh, wow. Um, like I'd literally finished confessing to them and I had a message from her on my phone because she'd just gotten back from a trip that she'd gone on and wanted to talk to me about it. So the alignment of some of these events was actually like quite incredible looking back. And so from that point um, and after a few months of really earnestly seeking god about whether to go forward with this not wanting you know to be doing this out of just emotion or even foolishness um had the courage to go ahead with the relationship and over the next year and a half things developed so beautifully between me and this girl um at the same time i was no longer sinning um in this way at all ultimately Things didn't go as I was expecting, um, and we didn't end up getting married. But God had done a great redemptive work over those two years, and despite the yeah, well, a, a whole journey in itself from 2019, which is when we were supposed to be married till till now. Um, I've never gone back to that lifestyle, and God has continued working in my life. And I've just been growing in my faith and in my love for him and in my trust in, in the gospel. And there's been victory and freedom that has followed that in my life mm-hmm. and is continually manifesting in, in new ways, new areas of victory and, and freedom and joy and peace. So, yeah.
2: So, would you say that God used the intimacy and the health, the healthiness of that relationship to kind of heal you and kind of get your desires more? in line with his desires?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, because I wasn't expecting it to happen this way when I prayed that prayer, but Mm -hmm. I think God understood that just on a level of relational interaction, I just did not know how to relate with God because I just didn't know who he was anymore. Mm. Um, There were so many lies in my mind about who he was and he just really corrected and healed a lot of those misconceptions through this tangible relationship. With this girl. An important thing though that I'll quickly say is we also conducted ourselves the right way. We, we, were, we had accountability. We put good boundaries in place.
2: Mm-hmm. So, you've come a long way. You've healed a great deal. And briefly, tell us what's happening in your life today.
1: Yeah. So, around September in 2020, mm-hmm. I um, took up the role of overseeing the youth ministry and the young adults ministry at our church now. Mm-hmm. This is not the church that we moved to. This is now my family's church plant mm-hmm. that we your, your started church? six years. Ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, my dad's church, Saving Grace, and that has been perhaps or the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. And then the latest development, which was very unexpected, was um yeah I've I'm now working for an organisation called Voice of the Martyrs. Um, And they're an organization that provides spiritual and practical support for Christians all around the world who are being persecuted for their faith.
2: Wow. So God has taken you on quite a journey. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: No, thank you.
2: Our guest today has been Joshua Brown from Perth. He's the Western Australia Regional Relationship Manager for the Voice of the Martyrs Ministry. And he also oversees the Youth and Young Adults Ministry at his father's church, Saving Grace Church in Perth. For more information, their website is savinggracechurch.com.au. That's savinggracechurch.com.au.
0: You've been listening to Real Faith and if you have any questions or comments you can send us a message through our website realfaith.org.au That's realfaith.org.au Thanks for listening and we invite you to join us again next time for more conversations about God working in the lives of people who put their faith and trust in Him. That's real people, real life
2: and real faith.